Well, good morning again. Is this working? Have I not turned it on? Is that why? That's probably a good reason. Great. Well, as I said, Matt was due to do RBT this morning on Colossians. Um, so that's not happening. So I prepared a word yesterday for us this morning. It, it doesn't... It doesn't fit into Colossians, and it doesn't fit into one verse wonders, all right? So it's out of that whole scene, but there you go. Um, you know, as a, as a young boy, I used to love going to the circus. Any of you like going to the circus? Especially in days gone by, it was much more, you know, more going on. Elephants and chimpanzees and all sorts in the circus. We don't do that anymore, I know. But where, where I lived in London... Uh, we live very close to um, uh, as, as parkland, which was constantly being used by all the major circus companies. And because my father had a, sh a, a cafe there, uh, if he advertised the circus, because we were only just down the road, we got free tickets. So we went, I went. Um, and I loved, I loved the clowns. Uh, some of you might understand that if you know me, why I would love the clowns. I love the clowns. And, you know, one of their acts that they, they had was they put a stick in the ground and then they put a plate on the top, turn it around and got the plate spinning. And then they go over here and they put another stick in the ground, put a plate on the top and spin it round. Then over here, another stick in the ground and a plate. And as they're going over here, this one's starting to... to, to you've probably seen it. And, and they're running over, and if they're clowns, you know, the, the plate goes all over the place and things are smashing everywhere, which was, you know, we kind of, as a child, you wanted it to fall off. You know, they wanted to keep it on, but I wanted it to fall off and see it smashed to the ground. And they were running around to keep, try and keep all these plates spinning. Now, I wonder, I wonder if this, some of you think, you know, I can identify that within my life. Within my Christian life, there's so many plates I'm trying to spin. You became a Christian, you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you rejoice in the truth that we see in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, for our sake he made him, Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And you reveled in that, and you found peace with God, and you were joyful because your sins were forgiven. But then you start coming along to church on a regular basis. And you hear that as Christians, we should read our Bibles. Stick, plate, Bible, plate. Okay? Uh, and then somebody talks about we need to pray daily. Okay? Another stick here, the plate of prayer. And so it goes on. Um, witnessing, another stick, another plate. Serving in the church. And then we start to read books for ourselves. We haven't just heard things in the church. Start reading books about um, how to be a godly woman, how to be a godly man. If you're married, how to be a godly spouse, how to, how, how to serve in the church. And all these are, are plates that are now spinning around in your life. And you're trying to handle it all. Somebody comes up and says, okay, we need to be more hospitable. Open our homes to people. And then Laura comes this morning and says, let's, let's do shoeboxes, let's do care for the needy. And we've got all these plates that are spinning. And it can feel like that clown trying to keep them all up, trying to keep them all from falling to the ground. 
And it may seem that having Christ come to Christ, we've become overwhelmed by all the things I need to grow in, all the things I need to do, the number of plates I have to keep spinning. So we might then ask the question, do I have, do I have what it takes to live this Christian life? Can I keep all these plates spinning? I know because of Christ's righteousness I have been adopted into the family of God, but can I live this life and do I have what it takes to be a strong Christian? Well, the short answer is no. So I hope you're relieved by that. Because if you thought I said yes, you might think, oh, wow, this is going to be tough. No. That is the short answer. The Bible says no. You don't have what it takes to live the Christian life in your own strength. You cannot live this Christian life just in your own strength by your own efforts. We have seen that we need a righteousness outside of ourselves to stand before God and to be accepted and reconciled to him. We can't stand. We sang last week that song, I Come by the Blood. I dare not stand on my righteousness. We can't stand on our righteousness. We've seen that we need a righteousness outside of ourselves to stand before God and be accepted to him and to be reconciled to him. And we need a power. We need a power outside of ourselves to live a Christian life of faithfulness. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you want a title for the message, I'm going to be speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read from verses 3 to 14. 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 to 14. This is Paul, Paul's letter to Timothy, who considered to be his son. And he writes this, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit of fear, not a spirit, not a fear, but a power, a love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering from the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This was Paul's last recorded letter prior to his execution in Rome. 
He was facing death, and yet he wanted to write to Timothy, his spiritual son, to point him again to his hope in Christ. He was encouraging Timothy here to endure, to be bold and to be faithful in the face of false teaching. You know, Paul's concern in his ministry was always a sound doctrine. He was concerned about the false teachers around, and he wanted the church to stand in sound doctrine. And Timothy had been trained by Paul. He was a young pastor, and Paul, aware of persecution and false teachers, was urging Timothy to be faithful in his ministry, to guard the message in the face of opposition. But in encouraging him to do that, he was saying here a significant verse. He said, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Three qualities suggested every, every Christian needs. We need power, love, and self-control. And he's saying to Timothy, if you're looking at your circumstances and you're afraid, this is not from God. This is not from God. What you have been given by the Holy Spirit is power, love, and self-control. The Holy Spirit is what you need to grow in sanctification. The Holy Spirit is what you need to face opposition. It's the power that you need to overcome discouragement. It's what you need to obey God's word. Power to help us care and serve others. The power to share the gospel. The power just to love others. To love your enemies. And what do you need to love God? This is what Paul was saying to his son in the faith, Timothy. He was saying, you know, we need something outside of ourselves. If we're going to accomplish this Christian life, we're going to walk faithfully to God, we need something outside of ourselves. We can't do this in our own strength. If you've tried to do it, you know you've failed. And it's not the power of positive thinking that somebody people talk about that enable us to do it. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us. If we try in our own strength, we will fail and live discouraged and fearful. But Paul reminds Timothy, you have all that you need through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ dwells within you and he will give you the power to live this Christian life. See, God in his kindness didn't just reveal the gospel to us and show that in Christ we might become the children of God, wonderful as that is. But he has given us through the Holy Spirit the power we need to live as his children and to grow as his children. And a vital lesson we must all learn is that we cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. We will fail. Living the Christian life is not about personal skills and abilities. It is about relying on the enabling work of the Holy Spirit. So it's not about our ministry. It's about his ministry working through us. Not about our sanctification, but his work of grace in our lives. Sometimes I hear people talk about their ministry or so-and-so's ministry. All ministry is Christ. We just are empowered, all of us, not just pastors or teachers, but all of us, empowered by the Holy Spirit to share Christ, empowered to preach the gospel. But we need grace. 
Piper, John Piper says, the grace that justifies is the grace that sanctifies. We're so aware that we come to, come to faith through justifying grace, but also sanctifying grace. We'll only grow when the grace of God is working in us. And the only work of any real value is the work done by the enabling of the Holy Spirit that's done in grace and by grace. When we renounce our self-sufficiency and, and rely and depend on the Holy Spirit, we receive divine empowerment and strength for personal transformation and ministry. So I want this morning to look at who is the Holy Spirit? What unique work does he do in our lives? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, our, our minds can immediately start thinking about the gifts of the Spirit. And sometimes we're concerned about the abuses that we see, the extremes of what is claimed to be the work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to briefly, and it will be brief, seven aspects of the Holy Spirit. So each one is not going to be long, but these are just to give us, give us just a fresh encouragement and a fresh reminder of the Holy Spirit, who he is. First of all, we must see the Holy Spirit in the context of the Trinitarian nature of God. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. They are co-equal. And he is a person. He is a person. I, I, I sometimes hear people talk about it, the Holy Spirit is it. The Holy Spirit, it. The Spirit, it. The Holy Spirit is a person. You wouldn't refer to God the Father that way. You wouldn't refer to God the Son that way. And neither should we refer to the Holy Spirit. If you want to write down some verses to look at, uh, here's a person that we can have fellowship with. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. We can hear from him. He can speak to us. Acts 13, verse 2. He helps us. Romans 8, verse 26. He prays for us. Romans 8, verse 27. There's a text you can go home and look at. We don't have time to go through more this morning. The Holy Spirit is not impersonal. He's not some out there. As I said, he's not an it. He's, 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 not, he's not a force or a power. He is a person with power. And there's a difference. Not just a power. The Holy Spirit's a power. He's a person with power. And the Holy Spirit is God. God, by the Holy Spirit, manifests himself. He is the active presence of God. When, when we attend here this morning, and we come into a worship service, we know God, because he says, where two or three are gathered, I'm going to be there. We know of a truth that God is here. But the Holy Spirit at times can come amongst us in such a way we sense the active presence of God, that manifest presence of God through our worship. And that's what he desires for us. John Owen says this, everything God does, he does as a triune God. Each person of the Trinity is involved in every action of God. Yet at the same time, each person has a special role to fulfill in that work. There is no good that we receive from God, but it is brought to us by the Holy Spirit. Nor is there in us any good towards God, any faith, love, obedience to his will, but what we're enabled to do by the Holy Spirit. What we often so often think we're, we're doing, we're doing by the Holy Spirit. 
Because it's, we're dealing in spiritual realms, we're not just dealing in, in physical realms. There's something much greater. And each person in the Trinity does have a special role. So what is the unique role of the Holy Spirit in the saving activity of this triune God? Well, what the Father planned in salvation, and Jesus the Son purchased by his death, the Holy Spirit activates or applies to our lives. So often we, just thinking about this now, it's not my nose, but so often we, we, we talk about know the word and the truth will set you free. But you know, knowing the word, just reading this book, won't set you free. There are many people who have read this book and not set free, free. When you read this book and the Holy Spirit energizes and brings revelation, which is the second point I'm going on to, activates and applies the gospel into our lives. So the Holy Spirit, point two, the Holy Spirit brings revelation of the gospel and applies Christ's work in us. We read Titus 3, verses 4 to 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This new life in Christ is offered and given by the Holy Spirit. Now, each of these points, we could probably do a sermon on each. <laughs> We're not going to do that this morning. So I'm going through it quite quickly. But um, people, you know, I, I hear people say, ask the question, are you a born-again type Christian? Are you a spirit-filled Christian? Are you a committed Christian? They're really asking the question, are you a Christian Christian? That's what I'm asking. Are you a Christian Christian? Can, can you be a Christian if you're not born again? Can you be a spirit? Don't we know, some of us know, what the emphasis that somebody's trying to make in that. But commitment, born again, Holy Spirit dwelling with us, that's going to be evident for all Christians. All Christians, that will be true. But if you're a Christian, you are born again. You are regenerated by the Holy Spirit and you have been given or filled with the Holy Spirit. John 3 verse 5 says, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So point three, long title, is the Holy Spirit is not involved in our regeneration, our justification, but also in our sanctification. Very often when we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, we often think, as I said earlier, uh, first about the gifts for ministry. The gifts of the Holy Spirit that are available for us in ministry, both individually and collectively. And we think more of that so often than we, than we do of the work of the Holy Spirit in the process of sanctification. That means work, it means that we've come to Christ as we are, but we grow in Christ to be more and more like him. That's the process of sanctification. Galatians 5 teaches us that as we walk by the Spirit and cooperate with the Spirit, there will be fruit of the Spirit. That fruit will be seen as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There will be fruit. God's Holy Spirit is working in our lives to produce this fruit. 
It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that is active in, these, in this way. And there will be fruit and there will be growth. Now, the thing is, sometimes we want, we want all the growth up front, don't we? I, I remember years ago talking to a man who was genuinely, genuinely I, I shared some things that, to, to try and help him. And he said, Pete, can you see everything in my life so we can get it all sorted now so I don't, we don't have to go through this again? It doesn't work like that. <laughs> uh, for those who've been Christians a while, you'll know that you feel you got, got through something and then, then you go through something else and then you go through. That's the way it is. So we see his role in revelation, in justification, and in sanctification. And then four, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, we see that it is the Holy Spirit who imparts and gives spiritual gifts. And Paul says, we have been given them for the common good. Gifts of the Spirit are wide and they're varied, and yet they all come from the Holy Spirit. And I love the fact that they're gifts. They're not rewards. They're gifts. We can't earn them. We can seek them. We can seek them. And God desires that we seek the gifts of the Spirit. But they're rewards. It doesn't mean that I've got to have my life so in order, so correct. I never sin. Well, if you ever think that, come and talk to me. I'll talk to you about that. But so that, when that happens, God will give me this gift or reward me with this gift. Let's turn just to briefly to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to read from verse 8. 8 to 12. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. These spiritual gifts are given to the church to equip the church to carry out the ministry of Christ until he returns. Can I say this carefully? They're not, they're not there to entertain the believers. Not used to kind of Let's, let's, have a, let's have a meeting where we, we stagger everybody. That's not the way it should be. And in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7, Paul says, you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a lot more could be said on that, but we actually have planned for a couple of weeks' time to speak on the ministry, the gifts of the Spirit, particularly in the local church, to help us move forward in that area. So I'm not going to spend any more time on that. Then fifth, the Holy Spirit strengthens your inner person. Paul prays in Ephesians 3, verse 16, that we will be strengthened with power through his Spirit to comprehend and know the love of Christ. Um, you know, one, one of the... Uh, we're going to do Colossians, but I, I, at this point I can't, I can't resist this, these scriptures. Um, it's really, 
again, I hadn't planned to say it, but it just come to me. So that, um, Paul, Paul is saying in, in Colossians, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You know, the way he starts off, you think actually you can, with all power, so you can raise people from the dead. With all power, so you can go preach to thousands. With all power, that you could, you, you, you could use all the gifts. But he, he says, what? So that you would, for endurance and for patience. It's kind of not where I would have thought praying for power would, would finish up when Paul says this. But Paul appeals to the Father through the strengthening power of the Holy Spirit. That in this verse in, in, um, in Ephesians, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. To help us understand Christ. He wants to focus our attention ultimately upon Christ and what he's done for us. Who he is to us. And what ultimately we will experience with him. Six. The Holy Spirit gives us the boldness to speak out the good news. This wonderful gospel. Acts 4, verse 31. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to, to speak the word with boldness. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about doing God's, uh, Christ, Christ's work in Christ's way. Um, and we took from, from Acts um, where the Holy Spirit came, and the, pro where, where the promise came that the Holy Spirit would come and give them boldness. And here we see the fulfillment of that in Acts 4, 31. But we've seen then the the Holy Spirit giving us boldness to speak out the word of God. And then finally, it's a seven, so it's a perfect number. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. J.I. Packer said, understanding this, understanding this is the key to understanding the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit in his Jesus glorifying work is like a spotlight behind us shining forward, giving an illuminating light on Jesus. I love that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Glorifying Christ. Illuminating. Showing us Christ. You know, we sing, show us Christ. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to show. We're not going to find that just on our own, but the Holy Spirit, well, that's his work. To see more clearly Jesus' work of obedience, to see his sacrificial death on the cross, to see his power and his resurrection. And to see his interceding work on our behalf, we need the Holy Spirit to shine that light. So as I said earlier, the, the, the words come almost lifted off the page and affect us. The Holy Spirit cuts through the stuff of life, all the things that can get in the way and help us to see the glorious one. I wonder how many came this morning. I'm going to put your hands up, it's not test. I mean, come this morning with things on your heart and your mind, and you kind of feel with Jesus, and then suddenly you find as we sing, the Holy Spirit's at work and cuts through the stuff of life and helps us to see Jesus. You know, I've heard all sorts and seen all sorts of things that have been proclaimed to be the work of the Spirit, been in meetings that I felt really uncomfortable with. Good test. Ever in a meeting or ever in a situation where somebody is saying this is the work of the Holy Spirit, see if it's glorifying Christ. Or see if it's glorifying men or women. See if it's glorifying Christ. That's a good test. Because if it isn't, then I would suggest to you it's not. 
Is Jesus being exalted? J.I. Packer goes on to say, the Spirit's message to us is never look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at him. Look at Jesus. See his glory. Listen to him. Hear his word. Go to him and have life. Get to know him and taste his gift of joy and peace. I'm going to read that again because I love it. The Spirit's message to us is never look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at him. See his glory. Listen to him. Hear his word. Go to him and have life. Get to know him and taste his gift of joy and peace. At the very heart of the Holy Spirit's work is the role of exalting Christ, drawing our attention to him, helping us to see who he is and what he's done. The Holy Spirit, when we're focusing Jesus, focusing on Jesus, we can be confident the Holy Spirit is work, helping us to see Jesus Christ, his righteousness. The spiritual gifts are not an end in themselves. They are there to exalt Jesus. As I said, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. They have now no value except exalting Christ. They're not there to make us feel good or spiritual. So, my conclusion. From beginning to end, the Christian life is dependent on the supernatural spiritual power of the triune God. Somebody once said we're not about, it's, it's kind of like not just supernatural, but naturally super in, in the Holy Spirit. I have to be careful how we put that. There is no part of the Christian life where God says, okay, you're now my child through faith, and now it's all over to you. He doesn't do that. We cannot live the Christian life, as we said in the beginning, in our own strength. We never have and we never will. How can I do all these things that I hear, the spinning plates that God has caused me to do? Do we look back over our Christian life and our salvation and see what we have done? We gave our lives to the Lord. We are trying to do these things. What do we see right from the very beginning of our Christian life? That God, the Holy Spirit, has been at work in us. Whenever we draw near to Christ, it is the Holy Spirit that is at work. Whenever we speak the word of Christ, of God, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Everything that Holy Spirit does from regeneration to sanctification is to help us see that all we have is in Christ. It was the Holy Spirit who opened our hearts. It wasn't our knowledge. It was the Holy Spirit who made us alive in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit through our adoption that causes, as Paul would say, cry, Abba, Father. No longer an austere term, Abba, Father. Daddy God, I don't like that, but it's to try and... It's, it's an affection. You know, when I used to speak to my father, I said, your father, it was a, a term of fear. Father's, father wants you. It's a term of, a de- of affection. He's our father who bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When we gave, when we served, he enabled us. It's all the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we're enabled, not merely helped. He is a helper, but we're enabled. We have to renounce all confidence in our own power, and then we can rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. When we renounce our self-sufficiency, we can, by faith, 
receive and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit for strength, for growth in godliness and for ministry. This power that Paul speaks of is not a power to wield like some magic wand or lightsaber, but a power that points us to Christ, helps us to trust him more, receive his grace to change from one degree of glory to another. This truth requires our core truth, faith, but it also requires a renunciation of our own resources, relying on our own abilities and trusting, to trust more and more and be dependent on God. The work of the Holy Spirit works in two different ways. One where we combine our effort with his enabling power and the other where he works alone in us and for us. So sometimes we're working with and sometimes he's just working on his own. So let us be grateful. Let us be grateful that we just didn't come to faith in Christ and then God left us. He's given us a power a power to live life, a power to love, a power for self-control, a power to live the Christian life for the glory of God. Let's pray. Just wonder this morning as we're just quiet before God, if you feel this morning that you've rely too much in your own strength. You try to work everything through in your own strength. You've, you've not found yourself dependent upon God in the ways that we talked about this morning. If that's you, and that could well be all of us this morning, it's true of me. Let's just spend a few moments confessing that to God and then declaring, with God's grace and with his help, a desire to show more dependence in the future upon the Holy Spirit in our lives. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that when you went back to the Father, you sent the Holy Spirit so that we might continue in the way you've shown us. Father, forgive us for when we tried to do things in our own strength. We felt we didn't need to go to you. We didn't need to rely upon you. We can do it. Thank you, Lord, that you are a loving, forgiving God. And thank you, Holy Spirit, you give us the power to live life for the glory of God. So, Lord, this morning, would you give us grace not to live by our own strength and let the gift that you've given us. We pray this morning that we will grow daily 
in our dependence of you. Grow to rely more on you, to seek your face, to seek your will, to seek your Holy Spirit for enabling. And as a result of all this, Lord, we will glorify your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.